0: Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White.
1: And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and
0: encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in.
1: If you're listening this morning, good morning. Uh, if it is morning for you, and good morning, Paul. Good morning, Noah. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Um, we are in the middle of season four. We're talking about 21st century discipleship, and so far we've we've um, talked about what some might call some thorny issues, some some things that are difficult, some things that require us to really look into Scripture and look into our hearts and ask probing difficult questions in order that we can follow Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about. 21st century discipleship, following the first century Jesus in the 21st century. And today we're going to be talking about modesty, which is going to be among the thorniest, perhaps, of the the topics that we're covering this season. So I think it's going to be a good, good day, and I'm looking forward to our discussion.
0: It can be. I want to share some exciting news, Noah. Okay, I've been waiting to share this. U.S. House of Representatives, we elected a new speaker, Mike Johnson. Clearly, I I had never heard of Mike Johnson. Nor had I. And people were telling me, hey, we're, our new speaker, Mike Johnson from Louisiana. My wife's parents know him very well. He has a reputation, Noah, of being a man of faith. He's very vocal in regards to his allegiance to Christ, his, his determination to lead in this new role of speaker. Uh, seeking the face and favor of God. He prays often. He makes no apologies for the God that he serves and for Jesus being Lord. Uh, And he was interviewed recently in that new position, and he was asked in an interview about his worldview. And my discussion is not the interpretation or defining of worldview, but I just want to share this. (laughs) Mike Johnson said this in an interview when he was asked about his worldview. He says, and I quote, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview. That's what I believe in, so I make no apologies for it. <laughs> and I thought that is so refreshing. Yeah. You know, the point that someone says, go pick up the Bible. Here has here is how God has revealed to us his will. He's He's told us about Himself in the pages of Scripture. Go get out your Bible and and read it. I th- that that's fascinating to hear that today. Yeah. And that's what we need. That's what we want. And so, in discussions that we have on any subject, we can do, I can do much better than, well, here's how I feel, or I don't think, or it seems to me. The commonality in all these those things is me. Right. I'm making about I or me. Yeah, and, and and
1: so often we're tempted to lead with our conclusions, yes, as opposed to going back to the source, the authority of Scripture, and saying, you know, I'll get to what I believe, but. Uh, you know, the conclusions of what I believe. But ultimately, going back to what what uh, that senator was saying, ultimately, this is what I believe. I believe the Bible is true. I believe I want to follow Jesus according to his word. And if you can show me from scripture a way that I can be doing that better, my worldview hasn't changed. My standard hasn't changed. I've changed to better match it. And that is the kind of heart that we really, really need to have in in this kind of discussion and in every discussion, being willing to go back to that source and say, you know what? I want to grow and grow and grow until I'm closer formed to the image of Jesus. That's who I'm following.
0: Yeah. So does a scripture help us anywhere? Do we have some principles? Do we see some principles, some passages in scripture, Noah, that, that help us to deal with this subject on modesty?
1: Yeah, you know, there are a, a few passages that we usually go to when we talk about modesty, and probably foremost among those is 1 Timothy chapter 2, mm-hmm. verses 9 and 10. It's in the middle of, of some instructions that Paul is giving to Timothy. We'll read that in just a second. Um, and those that are listening who are from Cedar Park know that not too long ago, I presented a lesson on modesty for the benefit of the, the church here and the Christians here. And so I just want to say up front, we're not going to try to rehash all of that material. I'm not going to try to re-preach that lesson here. If you're listening and you weren't there for that lesson, or you're listening and you're not from Cedar Park, I encourage you, go check that lesson out. I think there's some valuable thoughts in it. But for the discussion today, we're not going to, we're not going to rehash all of that. But we are going to start in the same place, and that's going to be in the Scriptures. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, He says in verse 8, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. There's a whole other discussion there um, that we're not going to have today, but the reason I read it is because verse 9 starts with likewise. So in that same manner, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. We often end up in that passage when we talk about modesty, and for good reason, because it uses the word explicitly, and because Paul kind of helps flesh out what he's trying to describe. Modesty on its own could be taken a lot of different ways. Paul kind of frames it for us mm-hmm. in this passage. So that's, I think, a, a valid place to start, a good place to start, is in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, we do probably need to talk about the definition of modesty, because if we have the wrong definition of modesty, we're going to get really frustrated in a discussion about modesty. Paul, do you have a definition down? I've got one down is, here, but I was curious whether or not you had anything written down.
0: Uh, what? What? Typically, you know, the, the short of it is orderly, well arranged. You know What, what is decent? Mm, decent, and, mm-hmm. and, and again, that get, that's a very subjective thing for people. So, okay, well, what's decent right. to you is not. But but just that Greek term that's being used, give it that definition and then set it in its context. That's a good starting
1: place. Right, right. So there's the idea of decency. There's this implied. that There's a sense of shame, and that there it's it's free of vanity. Now that's a definition of modesty we're familiar with from from modern times, right? If someone's being modest. If you try to compliment somebody and they're not good at taking compliments, <laughs> they, you know, they'll probably, oh, no, 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 that's definitely not true. Please don't say those kinds of things. Oh, you're just being modest. Well, there's there's a sense in which that's what we see here. There's there's no vanity here. Everything is kind of covered up in this sense of decency and in this sense of shame. And if we don't have that idea, we're going to get off into the woods in this discussion real quickly, Right. We'll, we'll get off into the discussion of, of of nakedness, which is related but not the same. What we want to talk about is modesty. Yeah. What does it mean to be modest?
0: And here's what I would offer. Again, looking at the context, I would use this as a starting point, not an ending point, but a starting point. And so if you just want to take that Greek term and give a workable definition, what's decent, orderly, well-arranged, he brings up in that context the reason he brought up, here's to be modest dressed. And so what he says is, uh, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Yep. So if, if a woman's dress in the context of 1 Timothy 2, women clearly are the subject there, if a woman and it appears that that was the case in the first century when Paul was writing this to Timothy otherwise why bring it up right clearly he's addressing an issue that needed to be addressed and there were women that were were coming into the presence of other Christians men and women and they were they were clothing themselves in such a way that drew attention to themselves notice me my extravagant costly is the term that is used clothing or mm-hmm. the arrangement of my hair it was all about notice me yeah that's a starting place for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and if we look at that I, I think I have never had anybody disagree with this statement I'm about to make. Paul's dealing with the heart the heart of a woman that would cause a woman that's why he he moves it into discussion with propriety and moderation because those are two terms that accompany the concept of modest, that address a person's motive in the heart. Why, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to draw attention to yourself through your extravagant hairdos or clothes that you're wearing?
1: Right. Because you're, you're having this sense of, I want you to look at me. Yes. I want you to pay attention to me. I want you to be impressed by me, attracted to me. Whatever, the you know, all the things that we could fold into that, it all comes down to, uh, it's about me. How how I dress is about me. In fact, that kind of connects with what we talked about last week, right? The decisions we make so often are about, well, it's about me. It's about what I want to do. When in reality, for the Christian, our decisions are not about what we want to do. They shouldn't be. They should be about what does God desire in our hearts and in our lives. I I don't want to draw us too much away from this subject, but Um, every week we are doing this question and answer. And I think that this is a good place to insert the question that we have for this week, the question that we have submitted for discussion this week, and very briefly. But the question, the reason I bring it up is because we're talking about this this me, me, me type of attitude. And the question that we got uh, kind of refers back to the episode on materialism. And the question is this, Jesus warns in Luke 12 against all kinds of greed. What other kinds of greed should we be aware of? And the implication of the question is, you know, a lot of times with materialism, we talk about money or stuff. What other types of greed could Jesus have been warning about there in Luke chapter 12?
0: That's interesting. I I like that question because I like the other translations that say other forms or other kinds of greed rather than the term covetous. Because sometimes we have a one way of thinking with covetousness and only think about, you know, a desire for more money. Uh, and that's clearly in that context. Right. So different forms of greed. I, w- I would offer this or two, you know, an excessive desire for more popularity and fame or prestige. I mean, you think about the, the guy that's neglecting his uh, a wife and children uh, and is just not kingdom oriented because he's not necessarily going after the pay raise. Right. He's going after the promotion. And, and it's all about fame and popularity and promotion, the the elevating of self. Yeah. The climbing the ladder. Yeah. And again, that that is a form of greed. And Jesus' point there is saying, look, you think that this is going to make you richer. Richer not in necessarily in pocket, but just richer in position and status in life. And it, right. quite to the contrary, it makes you poor. Uh, hence, beware. Greed takes different forms, and it's not always just about grabbing for more money. Right.
1: There is a social currency that we can covet and we can have a greed for, just like we would for physical currency and the and the things that go along with it, the things we can buy with it, there's a social currency, and we can covet that. We can climb the social ladder. Um, we can seek out and 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 greatly desire the approval of others and and the influence over others, and neglect the better things that that God has given us.
0: Yeah, and if you look at all this, though, this is again back to the heart of the matter when we're speaking about issues where where clearly we have to i have to look at my heart and judge my motives when you deal with pride and vanity and self is at the center i mean i i could say look look i, I i'm i'm desiring this position and status in life to elevate me mm-hmm. to be more popular to be have more power more control and there's just vanity and ego and pride all in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, John's, John clear, the Apostle John clearly says, Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. The love of the world. He says, Not of the Father, but it's of the world. Well, what he's been talking about, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. I like the pride of the vainglory of life. Yeah. And you weave those things together. At the heart of that is just a lot of vanity.
1: Hmm. Which actually is a great way to bring that discussion back. That that was the question we had for this week. Keep those questions coming. Click the link in the episode description, and you can submit a question that we will try to get to in one of these episodes. But, Paul, what you just said about the heart of that being vain, right, vanity, that brings it right back to the main discussion today, and that is modesty. So when we look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, we can sometimes have this risk of thinking that what what paul is talking about when he talks about dressing modestly and and not having that me 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 draw attention to me and my wealth and my you know um possessions and my body and blah 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 that sometimes we can think that the the reverse of that is just somebody that just like isn't doing anything you know the uh, the person that sits in the corner and they don't draw any attention to themselves and that's good and that's all they do is they just well that's not really what he's describing in fact what he talks about is that they are to be clothed in what uh, is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. This is not someone who diverts attention away from themselves because they're boring people. It's because they're bringing glory to God through the lives that they live, and that's where they point. And so the way they adorn themselves, the clothes that they wear, the way that they carry themselves, the way that they conduct themselves, it brings glory to God. Modesty is not inactivity. It is God-glorifying activity and God-focused activity, or in this case, dress. In this specific application that Paul is making, it's God glorifying and God directed clothing. Yes,
0: uh, you know, and he says with propriety and moderation, or modestly and discreetly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he attaches those two concepts for a reason. But he he kind of ends Noah in verse ten with this. But what is proper? So you got the not but construction, and, mm-hmm. and that's important in the context. So he says, but which is proper for a woman professing godliness with good works. Yeah. And that just brings it full circle, I think, to where Paul is going with this is, you know, the the arrangement of the heart. Godliness is a heart issue. Whether you're talking about dress, whether you're talking about drinking, whether you, whatever you're talking about, uh, godliness is a heart issue. Mm-hmm. I think that's why... A scripture says it's it's godliness with contentment is great gain not just contentment you know the 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 right attitude of heart and so that's that's what he's he's addressing there's another text of scripture that I use It's 1 Peter 3 and you know there's a context there that has to do with wives and submissions to their husbands and he's addressing women But he mentions in 1 Peter 3, verse 3, your adornment must not be merely external. 1 Peter 3, 3, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. I I like verse 4, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. There are clear passages that tell us where God says, "This, this is precious to me. Yeah. And what he says is precious to me, the the hidden person of the heart. And if if you think about the world that we live in, we are influenced. I can be influenced. I have been influenced in ways that are not very godly, Mm -hmm. well-arranged, modest, or decent in my demeanor. We're just influenced. I've been influenced by the world. The world says accentuate the outward you. Right. Right. And that's not just a matter of how short is too short, how tight is too tight. Back to our context of First Timothy two, the accentuating of the outward me is, hey, I'm gonna dress in such a way that when I get up in front of everybody, everybody's noticing me like, whoa, whoa. So they're not, they're not paying attention to the God that I'm trying to represent and the word that I'm trying to minister right. and share. It's like, look at this. Right. And I know there's judgment. I I'm not trying to create a standard. Right. Uh, There is judgment, but he appeals to the heart. The world says, accentuate the you. And and it's fair to move down a discussion. I mean, I think every honest parent uh, that we have looks at their children when they're raising their children and says, look, are you trying to accentuate your figure here? Right. You know, right. uh, God tells tells us what real beauty is, yes. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, and
1: I think in both both uh First Timothy two and in, in the Peter passage uh that you referenced, it's clear God values the inside person. He values the inner man, inner woman more than the exterior, but also the exterior will reflect the interior. Mm-hmm. The 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 fruit it is going to be born in kind, whatever kind of tree it is, it will bear that fruit. And so we can't expect to conduct ourselves and dress ourselves and live in an immodest way in a way that draws attention to ourself and to our status or our wealth or our figure. We can't we can't live that way and then say, oh, but the inside's completely different and that's what God cares about. Modesty on the outside, reflects modesty on the inside. And immodesty on the outside reflects immodesty on the inside. And the thing is, God cares about that. God cares about modesty. And again, for those of you that are listening to this and heard my lesson a few weeks ago, this is going to sound familiar. God cares about modesty, so we have to as well. And I think that that is one of the difficult things with this discussion. And part of the reason it's such a sensitive subject is people want to just kind of. Slough it off. They want to say, you know what? Modesty is very, very personal. You do you, me, you know, I'll do me. I just don't think it matters that much. I'm not going to worry about it. Now, I agree with the the idea that there is a personal, there has to be a personal investment in it, but we can't say, I don't think it matters that much. It matters to God. A modest heart matters to God, and therefore modest living. Matters to God. So we can't say,
0: I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, No. I, look, God, God gives His word pictures in the Bible for a reason. Uh, in Proverbs 11, verse 22, As a ring of gold in a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion.
1: Mm. You know,
0: I mean, get that word picture. A, a ring of gold in in the snout of a pig. It, that's crazy. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. And here's his point. So is a beautiful or lovely woman who lacks discretion. Yeah. True beauty is is the heart, the character. And and look, we have some beautiful women here. Mm-hmm. And The beauty beauty is their heart, their character. And the Holy Spirit intentionally in Scripture, whether it's the first Timothy two, the first Peter three and other passages that we did go to that we could that help give us principles. The Holy Spirit is making a point about the heart of the matter. Why do I do what I do? And somebody says, those are inconsequential. I mean, seriously, I have to look in the mirror in the morning as I'm getting ready. Why am I putting this on? What's my motive? Mm -hmm. And again, I want to offer this in sincerity. In the end, the judgment will be rendered out not by any man. Yeah. So standards that we... Sometimes, as preachers, I can talk about me as a preacher. uh, Standards that I may have created unintentionally so, or tried to assume as if to say, I'm going to give you a standard by which to measure whether or not you're modest or immodest. In the end, that judgment is not going to be made by me, but the one who makes that judgment, who sees all and knows all, he's going to judge based upon motives. And that's not just something to think about when we're having discussions about drinking or how I dress. Every decision I make, there's a why behind the what. Right. And he knows the intent of our hearts. And we will stand in judgment and give an account for the motives, why we did what we did in every area. And again, we just want grace to train us. We talked about that in Titus 2. Train us to be sensible in the way we think, righteous, upright in every decision we make. Just one that's going to please the Lord and honor Him and be good for others. Yeah. And what's godly?
1: Exactly. Professing godliness. And ultimately, what is it saying about God and what is it reflecting about God? Just as as Christ said in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father. In Christ, that's what we care about. We care about bringing glory to the Father. And so our decisions need to be made in light of that, with a heart that is committed to that. That's what God is seeking in a modest
0: heart. And I can be fully clothed and be ungodly. Absolutely. <laughs> so there, there's there's balance there. Yep. Yep. Well,
1: I appreciate the time that we've that we've spent on this. There's so much more that can be said and discussed about it, but we hope that this for those who are listening, we hope that this is kind of a starting point to be thinking about modesty and what it means to live and and not just dress but to live with modest hearts in the in the sight of God. Paul, what are we going to be talking about next week?
0: Well, 21st century uh, discipleship evangelism. Well, that's a big subject, but kind of breaking it down in the the direction of season four and 21st century discipleship. You know, we hear about the Great Commission and what's involved in that and a lot of discussion and rightfully so about how that relates to us. Where does that take us in terms of seeking the lost, sharing the gospel? Not all of us are to be preachers. And there's not a one-size-fit-all, but there is a, an accountability here. There's a responsibility here in this passage or in principle. So if we're talking about being disciples of Jesus and following Jesus, right, how do we reflect Him? How do we share Him? How do we share what matters most? Uh, where does that fit? So yeah. just kind of the concept of evangelism. What does that look like? How does that fit for us?
1: Excellent. Well, that's going to be a good discussion I hope that you all join us next week as we discuss disciples and evangelism here in the 21st century. And until then, we pray that you stand strong. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God.
0: Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong.